Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending upon where you are in the world, and welcome to today's webcast, Dan Kaminsky's DNS Discovery, the Massive Multi-Vendor Issue and the Massive Multi-Vendor Fix, brought to you by Black Hat and United Business Media, LLC. I'm Steve Paul, and I'm your announcer today. We have just a few announcements before we begin. This webcast is designed to be interactive between you and the presenters. Later in the program, we will ask for your feedback. Speaking of participation, you can participate in the Q&A session by asking questions at any time during the presentation. Just type your question into the Ask a Question text area below the media player, then click the Submit Question button. We will answer as many questions as time permits after the presentation. You may enlarge the slide window at any time by clicking on the Enlarge Slide button located below the presentation window. Slides will advance automatically throughout the event. You can also download a copy of the presentation by clicking on the Download Slide button below the presentation window. At this time, we recommend you disable your pop-up blockers. If you're experiencing any technical problems, please visit our webcast help guide by clicking on the help link below the video window. In addition, you can contact our technical help support line, which is also located in the webcast help guide. And now on to our presentation, Dan Kaminsky's DNS Discovery the massive multi-vendor issue, and the massive multi-vendor fix. Moderating today's topic will be Black Hat founder and director Jeff Moss. Welcome, Jeff. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for showing up for Dan's webinar. Um, I want to say a couple of words before we kick it off over to Dan and let everybody know what's uh, the purpose of this webinar and how it's going to work today. So uh, this is our second Black Hat webcast, building on the one we did last month, and we plan to do these about once a month, and we'll have an agenda and an editorial calendar online fairly shortly. So if you find this stuff interesting, uh, hopefully we'll have more of it in the future, every month actually. So for those of you who don't know Dan, uh, Dan Kaminsky is a, a frequent and quite popular Black Hat speaker, and over the years we've sort of just learned to accept the fact that we're not quite sure what Dan's going to do. Uh, but we're bright enough to realize we should get him a podium and in uh, a big room. So when he had something up his sleeve this year and couldn't quite tell us what it was because there's so much uh, secrecy surrounding it, we figured, okay, we'll get, we'll get Dan a podium, no problem there. But when the news started to break about this issue and the, uh, the breadth and depth of the DNS cache poisoning uh, vulnerability, you know, we expected it would be pretty important, and we expected that there'd be a lot of attention, but we didn't realize it would sort of blow up to the uh, to the status it's reached now with all the security researchers trying to outdo Dan and reverse engineer his work and get their uh, get a word in edgewise before Dan would publicly speak about it at Black Hat. So we organized this webinar to give Dan a chance to, to clarify a lot of things, answer questions, and uh, and to react to what's been happening I think, as John McCain would say, you know, events in the field. So we're going to start with Dan speaking about uh, his discovery, and then we're going to have additional speakers. Uh, Jerry Dixon, who's the former director of the National Cybersecurity Division at the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, Rich Mogul from Securiosis. Uh, Zhao Damas, the senior program manager of the ISC. And uh, myself will be commenting on it afterward, and then we'll move into a question and answer session. So I think that uh, wraps up our agenda. There'll be a questionnaire at the end, and uh, we encourage you just to drop questions in throughout the whole event. So with that, Dan, I want to pass the ball off to you. 
All right. So it is. It is finally out. It has been a very long and entertaining year of of explaining this to not too many people, and the bug is finally out. I think the the joke title of this talk this year is it is the end of the cache as we know it. It's not particularly fine, but it's what we've got. So, introduction. Who am I? You probably know by now. Who were we is a more important question. Um, we were Paul Dixie. We were Florian Weimer. We were a group of researchers and a group of companies who realized this is not good. Um, I was not intentionally seeking to cause anything that could break the net. Um, actually, I was trying to make the internet faster. Uh, what I was actually looking for when I first started playing with this stuff was I was looking for a way to uh, do content distribution using DNS. Not the old trick of actually hosting videos in DNS, but at least finding the fastest server and switching people from one server to the next, to the next, to the next. And um, I thought back, oh, wait, I, I kind of had some trick for my talk last year that would let people change a record in DNS. You know, Maybe I can use that to... I stopped and I'm like, wait a second. If I can change records in DNS quickly, the Internet's got a problem because we need them to not move quickly if the TTL is high. Like, we got a really big problem. And then it worked. So in, in my pursuit of making the Internet faster, I, I may have had some unintentional side effects. So what we did, I mean, I talked about this at a press conference a little while ago, but I will recap a bit. Uh, we pulled everyone together. We pulled all the companies in. There were no complaints, no doubts, no, none of the normal vendor, oh, I don't know if this can work, and you send a better repro, we couldn't get it to happen. None of it. Okay, we had people flying in internationally from Europe to the United States on a couple weeks' notice. Uh, Microsoft was kind enough to host. There was no BS from the vendors. There was just, we got a problem, we got to fix it. So... What we ended up doing was actually figuring out at least a strategy for a fix. So I, I suppose I suppose it is reasonable, given given recent events, to actually talk about the nature of the bug. I have to apologize; it's a little weird to talk about it out loud. Here's the deal: we all thought that it was hard to poison DNS records because, look, it's a race. And you've got a good guy, and you've got a bad guy. But the good guy has an advantage. There is a secret number, a transaction ID from 0 to 65,000. And you can't win the race. You can get there first, but you can't cross that finish line unless you've got the right transaction ID, unless you've got the number. So the idea was is that the good guy would know the number, and the bad guy now, whenever he got there, he, he'd have only a 1 in 65,000 chance of actually knowing the number so he could win. And uh, beyond that, to the winner goes the spoils. To the winner goes a TTL, a time to live. The winner could choose how long he had won for. So he could say, I'm 65,000 times more likely to win, and if you want to try again, eh, that'll take another hour. That'll take another couple hours. That'll take another day. So it would take like 65,000 days to attack DNS. You know what? I'm, uh, I'm not that patient. That was the thinking. There were three bugs. And uh, two of the bugs were kind of known. One of them is what's new. 
The first bug is that the bad guy's got the starter pistol. It's a race, and the bad guy gets to decide when the race starts. We kind of knew this, but what it means is is that the bad guy who doesn't know the number at least has the opportunity to try. The second bug is the bad guys actually got multiple guys in the race. Yeah, there's a good guy with, uh, you know, he's sitting there ready to go, has the number. But the bad guys got like a hundred people with different numbers floating out there. They're all edging. And they all, they all know that the race is about to happen. They all have the starter pistol. Good guys sitting around waiting for the packet to go all the way out and all the way back. So that's the second issue. What that means is it was never one out of 65,000. If you could feed 100 packets in before the good guy got around, it was one out of 655. This, too, was known. The big deal. The big deal is actually the third bug, which is who says you have to have only one race. Now, interestingly enough, uh, Halvar was actually closer than Pacek when it comes to the actual nature of the bug. Uh, the actual nature of the bug is, look, in DNS, there are two replies you can get, at least two for any query. Yes, you might get the answer you want back, but DNS is a hierarchy, and you have to be able to traverse the hierarchy. So it's more of a relay race. You get over to the root service and say, hey, do you have www.blackhat.com? And they go, no, but you can go ahead and ask this guy, and here's its address. And this guy's the comm server. He asks the comm server, hey, uh, do you know where it is? And the comm server goes, no, but uh, you can go ask uh, you know, ns1.blackhat.com, and here's its address. This is just how DNS works. And so what you do as the bad guy in this scenario is, you don't look up www.blackhat.com. You look up 1.blackhat, 2.blackhat, 3.blackhat. If the good guy wins, Blackhat says, I don't know what that is. But when the bad guy wins, it's gd3.blackhat.com. Um, I don't know. Why don't you go ask www.blackhat.com and here's its address. This is not an implementation bug. This is just fundamentally how DNS works. And it's how it's always had to work. Alvar was pretty, pretty close. So, let's talk about the status of getting this out. So, we did, in fact, do a, a massive multi-vendor patch. It is something I, I am incredibly proud of. It was a lot of work. A lot of people worked very, very hard. It did not go perfectly. We missed stuff. It happens. None of us have ever been involved in something of this scale. But you know what? I, I am proud of the coordination that all the vendors showed. This is what is going to be necessary to secure the Internet, not just from these kind of threats, but from threats in the future. Um, now, I did make a horribly unusual, even unreasonable request of the security community. Um, I asked them to hold back. And the reason I asked them to hold back is ultimately, look, I'm not the only smart guy on the Internet if there's going to be any value, if there was to be a shred of value to getting people some time, then I was going to try to get as much as possible. And you know it was unreasonable, and you know it was unusual. But you know it got us 13 days. And it, most of the security community uh, was awesome, was gracious and helpful. You know, there's a company out there called secconsult.com. Uh, Bernard Mueller mailed me a couple days after this whole thing broke. He's like, 
hey, we totally figured it out. Here's an entire paper on your attack. I'm like, that is awesome work. Bernard, would you mind holding on to it till Black Hat? He's like, no problem, man. You go make the Internet more secure. And if he wasn't alone, there are so many people. The community really came together here. And you know what? I could have had 30, I, whatever. I got 13 because people backed me up, and I'm immensely appreciative for that. So how well we did. Let's talk about some numbers. Now, there's lots of numbers out there. Lots of numbers are going to be coming out. You could not believe the data collection we've been doing here. But I will tell you this. On July 9th, I, so on July 8th, the tester went up. On July 8th through July 9th, the percentage of queer people who went to my tester who were vulnerable was 86%. Today, when I look at my queries today, the percentage of queries vulnerable is down to 52%. You know what? That's not perfect. Maybe, maybe it's not even good enough, but we had to try. And I'll take 52 over 86 any day of the week and twice on Sunday. So now, what went well, what went badly? I can say that we did get a patch out. The patch is not a trivial patch to install. Uh, DNS is at the core of any network. And if we could have had an easier, more obvious fix, we would have done it. But while it has been a huge ask that we have made on every ISP and every major business and every email provider out there, and I am nothing but thankful for all of the IT admins who have done thousands upon thousands of hours of work already. So many people took advantage of the opportunity that they got to have at least a few days to at least try, to at least start, try, start to make plans. A few people did indeed say, you know what, this is our organization. Our organization needs more details if we are to invest these sorts of resources. People have been critical of them. I refuse to be. Look, it's a huge ask. It was a huge ask. There's a great quote that, you know, through it all does need to be respected, which is not patching my network for I don't know. All right. I did what I could for everyone else. For you guys, I couldn't do any better because I didn't want to get the exploit out. Now the exploit is out. There's code. It is in Metasploit. It's no longer patching your network for I don't know. It's patching your network for it's in Metasploit and it's going to destroy us. So you've got a little less time, but I did what I could. Um, now, a couple notes I'd like to make. Does it matter who leaked? You know, this is a discussion that is interesting and fun and nice. Not now. Look, we have an actual extant threat to the network to deal with. For all of the counter-hype about this thing not being a big deal, no, it's a big deal. And everyone can see it, and everyone can see it's a big deal. I don't care who said what when right now. That doesn't matter. What matters is, People need to patch. What have we learned? I think we've learned a lot about what needs to be done to fix the net in the future. This type of coordination has been an amazing first step. I have absolutely no delusions that it went perfectly. As I said from the beginning, I await the security community's judgment on all that we've done. 
And there's going to be a lot of lessons learned and a lot of new processes. But the core idea that companies can come together across their boundaries and figure out what needs to be done to protect everyone's business, that is safe. How much trouble are we in? Guys, we're in a lot of trouble. This attack is very good. This attack is being weaponized out in the field. We provide Internet access. We provide access between companies. We provide access between networks. We provide access between people. That access that we provide is not necessarily going to be ours anymore. I don't know what Internet we're going to be providing, but it's not going to be the one we sold. So people need to patch. Everyone needs to patch. Please. Uh, I know it's not the most perfect thing. I know it's a lot of work. This is this is a big deal. And that's the only way I was able to get this much cooperation from the vendors, from most of the security community, and honestly, the last group I'd like to thank is actually the press. You know, a lot of press is about, look at this disaster that happened in the past. Who do we blame? That's not what I want here. And that's not what I've gotten here. What I've gotten here was a lot of press saying, there's a problem, you can protect yourself if you do this. And the data says, from 86% to 52% on my desks, the data says people saw the bug and a lot of people fixed, and that couldn't have happened without this reporting. So thank you, guys. So that's what I've got to say. Okay, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take uh, some comments from, uh, we'll start with Jerry Dixon, and then, uh, and then we'll move on to questions and answers from the audience. And we've been getting quite a few. They're all stacked up. Some of the questions are duplicated, and what I'll do is I'll sort of combine them all into a super question, and then we'll just work our way through them all. Um, one quick thing, though, maybe, Dan, you can answer is people were a little confused about the statistics. When the statistics, your 82 or 86 or 52 percent, when those were sampled? So the 86 percent is the first couple of days after the patch hit. So say from, I think it was something like the 8th to the uh, 8th to the 12th, 8th to the 13th maybe, the new statistics are last couple of days. So okay. two days ago to today. I mean, it's, it's been a plummeting. Now, there's a huge sampling bias. This is true. But it's still astonishing to see. And this is a type of, uh, if you wanted to generate metrics, this is a type of test that could you do as an external, or do you have to generate this test from within your network? So that's the specifically interesting thing. When you sweep the Internet, you find a lot of name servers. You don't necessarily know how many people are using those particular name servers, but you do find a lot of name servers. Um, This test is someone went to a page and clicked a button. They went, they clicked, this is what they saw. So these are internal name servers that went out to the Internet and just like their internal name servers that might go out to a bad guy. And I saw what the bad guy would see. I saw what the ports were. So that's what I saw. That's how I did it. Okay. Jerry, you had uh, some comments? Sure. You know, first and foremost, definitely want to uh, applaud Dan for working to bring together the vendors to, to tackle this issue and validate, you know, that it is a problem. Secondly, it shows the uh, security research community does contribute directly to making the Internet more secure. 
uh, especially when they uh, take the approach of responsible disclosure, especially, you know, in this particular case. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of researchers, you know, as Dan mentioned, there's, uh, you know, already a tool uh, built in or an ad, a module, I should say, for Metasploit. Uh, you have to keep in mind that the patch was already available, so that's the good news in the approach that they took, that there is a cure for uh, this problem in, in mitigating the risk. You know, essentially, just like you would wear a seatbelt when you're going down the road to mitigate the risk of getting injured in a car accident, you know, the same applies here. In this case, you know, the patch is your seatbelt, so be sure to use it and apply it. Uh, you know, one of the other key things here is that for organizations, I know there's a lot of questions about should we go ahead and apply the patch. You know, again, you know, using the seatbelt example, the code's out there, the exploit's out there. You really need to take steps to mitigate it. Definitely make sure you test it in your production environment before rolling it into a production environment so it doesn't cause problems. Uh, you know, again, we're going to be here just like in previous years uh, with uh, the ASN1 problem. We uh, typically come up with this issue, and Jeff and Dan can definitely attest to this, that I imagine we'll be here again. And this really highlights the fact that your, each organization really needs to be prepared and have procedures in place for updating their business critical applications and systems. So when a you know, patch comes out, making sure you're ready to be able to test it and get it rolled out. In this particular instance, it's been almost two weeks since the patch has been available, and if you're still debating uh, to roll it out, you've had plenty of ample time to test it during that time period. You're really losing a lot of time. Uh, now, now is not the time to keep waiting. Now, when you look at DNS, it's a core critical infrastructure of the Internet, and there's a lot of uh, research and ways to tackle this problem long term. There's a thing called DNSSEC. You know, it's something that organizations need to really consider doing. I know the U.S. government is working towards implementing DNSSEC. Uh, Dr. Doug Mon at uh, DHS is leading several efforts in this area with uh, the folks over at the National Cybersecurity Division to try to get this uh, implemented across the U.S. government to kind of set the example. really needs to be done across the Internet at large. Of course, it's going to be a challenge. There's been a lot of debate about whether this should have been the more appropriate way to fix this problem is going to DNSSEC right now. As most folks know, it takes a lot to get consensus to go ahead and get providers to adopt it. Uh, the Internet's global. You know, we might be able to come out with, say, a, you know, a requirement or regulation that says it needs to be implemented across the U.S., but you still have to get consensus from all the other countries around the globe because, again, the Internet's global. So the patch is the way to go. It tackles this specific issue and shuts down that attack vector. And, again, can't thank Dan enough and the security research community for looking for these types of uh, issues and vulnerabilities and for following uh, responsible disclosure. Okay. Rich from uh, Securiosis. Okay. Now, you're going to have to repronounce that company name because I've butchered <laughs> it like three times. That's all right. Uh, you got it pretty close, Jeff. It's Securiosis. Uh, kind of started as a joke and then became a company name. Go figure. Um, I want to, first of all, thank Dan for actually uh, getting me involved with this. Needless to say, the past uh, couple of weeks has been a pretty interesting ride from a, a quick message to, from Dan saying, hey, can you get the CIO's attention? Uh, I think he did that all on his own on this one. Uh, a couple of things. We've seen a lot of questions out there. I've gotten questions on the blog. We've seen uh, some of the questions submitted today. And just wanted to review a, a couple of actions for those on the enterprise side who are trying to figure out what they need to do in this particular situation. Uh, hopefully at this point you do understand that this is a very serious vulnerability. If you're an enterprise using your own name servers or even your ISP's name servers, uh, and we're not even going to talk about the client issues, which there are some implications for the client, for your endpoint clients as well, it's clear that you need to go ahead and get these things patched uh, so that you can protect your own organization. And we do know that many of you run your own name servers, and it's the part of your infrastructure that you don't normally think about on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Now, all of what I'm about to say came from Dan himself and uh, just rewording it a little bit. But um, So the risk is definitely high, uh, especially with the exploit tool. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it looks like there are two different exploit packages that have been released within the last 24 hours, the first of which was designed primarily to do testing and wouldn't be overly malicious. Uh, the second, which can be used by anybody to do all the bad kinds of things that Dan um, was talking about when he initially disclosed this vulnerability and was hoping that the details wouldn't get out until we were all patched. So the, we definitely have the threat there in terms of our risk equations. There's absolutely no question that we can't afford to go ahead and fix these things right away. Now, for those of you who are on older systems and uh, are, are uncomfortable perhaps changing your DNS servers too much, one tremendous piece of advice that, that Dan mentioned the other day was go ahead and forward to a brand new DNS server. It shouldn't be hard for you to bring up a new DNS server. Any of your admins can do that pretty quickly and easily compared to some of the other, uh, and to compare to actually having to pull your production systems down. And then you can adjust some of your own things to go ahead and forward to those, and that will help protect you from this particular vulnerability. Um, if you're not able to patch right away, highly, highly recommend that you do a workaround such as forwarding to uh, a fully patched system so that you can get this up and running. Second thing is make sure you do scan your environment so you know where your DNS servers are. Uh, also, check your employee systems, and you do want to make sure, uh, particularly if you're one of those high-profile companies that um, where somebody might be sniffing around and uh, uh, perhaps hoping that one of your employees is going to try and uh, go back into your intranet, um, but basically for those employee systems, you want to make sure that, uh, A, get the patches updated on those systems using your regular system updates if you're able to, and, B, if you're concerned about that and not necessarily something you can do, you can always do a configuration update, switch them over at least temporarily to something like OpenDNS or some uh, uh, or some of the other um, uh, perhaps even ISC servers that they've put up so that there's a trusted DNS servers that they're using. So that's pretty much it. And, you know, we know, everybody knows the patching isn't going to necessarily be easy on all of your systems. There are some other options. And just to summarize, Dan did some tremendous work here. It's really great. The responsible disclosure is kind of we've almost never seen before. The vendors all coming together on this. Let's take advantage of the opportunity that we've had there, even though the exploits are out today. Go ahead. And if you're unable to quickly patch your systems, please use one of the workarounds to make sure that you're going to be protecting your own organization. And if you're having trouble getting this across to your CIO or even your CEO, um, well, perhaps you just need to let them uh, know that if they don't go ahead and do this, there is absolutely no guarantee when they go to check the sports scores at MLB.com. That's what they're really looking at. All right. Uh, and our final uh, commenter will be uh, Jao Damas, Senior Program Manager from the ISC. Hello. Well, I'd like to start, uh, like uh, the other speakers have done, by thanking Dan on the way he has um, communicated and handled the whole incident from the beginning, allowing for uh, proper patches to be um, developed, <coughs> tested, and, and then made available. Um, we would have wished that things would have given us a little bit more time, but, uh, well, things happen. At least, as, as Dan said, some people are already... Are already um, Taking it is seriously enough to act on it, and it is serious. It is very serious. Even though some people think that uh, this is a combination of things that were previously known, uh, the, there is one new key factor, and the combination of these with the others makes a complete difference um, on how effective um, the attacks can be, and they can be extremely effective. So, so please take this seriously. 
uh, we have produced patches like other vendors have and have uh, sent them out to customers and users. I mean, our, our software is open source, so <clears throat> it's more than just what we anyone else would call customers. It's uh, a lot of people on the internet buying this is really heavily used out there. But I would say that uh, these patches and the methods uh, deployed by uh, most of the vendors, all of the vendors, I would say even, um, do decrease the likelihood that someone will succeed at the attack, but they actually don't provide 100% uh, guarantees. Uh, the only thing that would uh, conceivably be able to do that would be the deployment of DNSSEC. And even though that would take uh, longer than deployment of the patches, and therefore you should go for the patches uh, if you haven't done yet, as soon as we finish this conversation. Um, after that is done, uh, there is a real need to put pressure on the people who have uh, the keys to the deployment of DNSSEC. Uh, and that's not only uh, the people who would sign the route, but it's always uh, also the infrastructure people, <coughs> the registries who run the TLDs, the registrars who have to enable their customer interfaces and so on. It really is important because uh, it would otherwise it will just be a matter of time uh, before we um, end up in the same sort of situation. Um, as for us, well, we have been taking a stepped approach. Uh, there are patches right now uh, for Bind that have been pushed out to all the operating system vendors we work with. Um, those provide an immediate solution. Uh, they do have some issues for some people, and we are working on, on better things. Uh, in any case, even saying this, uh, please don't hold out in uh, at least trying staging uh, the current patches available from your vendor in your systems, uh, because uh, it's just a matter of time that you'll get hit by the attack. Uh, the attack has, description has been linked. I have seen already uh, code that uh, is geared at exploiting these out in the wild, and I'm not even looking for it. So <clears throat> people who are have it in their hands right now. And uh, if you don't want to have your users end up uh, in places where they didn't expect to be, and therefore either giving away information personal or corporate that they shouldn't to unknown parties, um, take the issue seriously. And um, as Dan says, we've learned a lot from this. It's been uh, quite a big uh, event. Uh, I think it went pretty well, given this, uh, everything that was going on at the same time. And uh, once the dust settles, we certainly would look at ways uh, to make it even better if this should again occur again in the future. That's uh, all for me. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm going to uh, ask a couple of questions, and then uh, and then we'll move on to the questions from the audience. And uh, my first one is going to be pretty much directed to everybody, and it's on DNSSEC because that's been something I've been interested in for a long, long time. And I actually now, in uh, kind of embarrassment, remember speaking back at a. Uh, a CSI conference, maybe like a decade ago, right when the RFCs were finalized on DNSSEC. And I remember telling everybody that now that the RFCs are finalized, we can finally move to DNSSEC and we can finally get rid of this one, you know, exploit uh, vector. We can finally, that's a protocol, some infrastructure we finally secured. This is going to be great. And it's a decade later, 
And I think the only TLD that is even offering uh, an option to sign is the .org uh, in the United States. And I think the Netherlands was doing some TLD signing testing. So really, how valuable is this advice to tell everybody to go implement DNSSEC? You can't if you wanted to right now. So well, the advice, the advice is to put pressure on the people who are um, kind of uh, fundamental in, on the way to DNSSEC. Of course, you have to do your own homework and uh, look at the servers and what it takes, implement your own key managing things and trust anchor handling uh, procedures. Uh, but you have to put pressure on the, the, on the people who kind of control the infrastructure. I would like to say that uh, actually .org is not the only TLD that's uh, <clears throat> working on this. Uh, they have a plan to come live later this year, but uh, uh, .br, Brazil, is live now. Uh, so is Puerto Rico, Sweden, and uh, Bulgaria. Okay, so there's four or five that are up and running. Um, and then the other thing is if you do run a large... Uh, homogeneous network, you can always implement your own internal DNS with DNSSEC, much like what uh, the U.S. military is doing. Very much so, yes. So, I think one of the problems with uh, with DNSSEC is it, you know, it is difficult and complex to deploy uh, with the key management infrastructure and things that we need. Uh, were there potentially other approaches that could mitigate some of these problems? Absolutely. But that would mean going back to the drawing board again and trying to come up with a new standard. So it's a tough situation we face. We have an imperfect standard, uh, a known insecure imperfect standard. We have another known standard that can, that will be more secure, it has a high level of complexity, or we go back to the drawing board. And I think with this particular vulnerability release, there's going to be a lot of debate on what the right approach in the long term is going to be for, for the Internet in general. And, uh, you know, likely it will be DNSSEC, but there's also, you know, high possibilities that, that some other options are going to be floated at this point. Uh, of course, that's just going to keep delaying everything. So this is the one thing I'd like to point out. Like, we're pragmatists. Really, we are. Like, if we had come and said, hey, we've got a great patch, and the patch is deploy DNSSEC, like, the, the, the look of horror that would have come across the IT community, I mean, it was hard enough to get people to deploy this thing. And I want to point out, it's not because people are lazy. People are spending tens of thousands of hours getting this patch out the door. It's just, it's hard to do anything that affects the DNS infrastructure because when you screw it up, you take down the network. And it's particularly difficult to do something that requires changing the way that networking works on a device, especially if it means that performance is going to drop. So we did possibly the most aggressive thing possible just to get out of the state we're in today, which is a couple seconds in the box is owned. That doesn't mean that this is the end of the line. I mean, this is the beginning. We had to get to a beginning step that would get us out of this absolute red zone. Where do we go from here? Oh, there's going to be an awesome debate on that. Yeah, regarding DNSSEC and, and rolling it out, I mean, look at IPv6 and how long that's been around, and we still don't have everybody on IPv6. Again, it kind of gets into that, uh, you know, what works is enough. It's a, a matter of uh, convenience, uh, you know, with DNS. And essentially, as, as mentioned by uh, some of the other speakers, there's a lot of management overhead that goes into to rolling that out. Uh, some we got to you know figure out how to get there, 
but the challenge is uh, it's not just a technical issue. It's you know a, a political issue or a, a layer eight issue trying to uh, to get the consensus to, to move forward. I've got a uh, uh, one last question before we move on for Dan, and it was a, a follow up to what Jal said, which was that even with all these patches uh, deployed. Um, what is the likelihood of exploit? You know, there's still a race condition. What's the statistical probability of that succeeding? Uh, we have made the exploit thousands to tens of thousands of times harder. So we have gotten the exploit to the realm that if it happens, it is going to create an enormous amount of traffic on your network for an extended period of time. That is the best we could do at this phase of the process. Um, well, what I mean is if last time you were saying it was a 1 in 65,000, now we're in the range of you know one in one in several hundred million to one in a couple billion, and and that that's not infinity. I don't pretend it's infinity, but on the one hand you have ten seconds and then you know tens of thousands of packets. On the other hand you have several hours to days and it's hundreds of millions to billions of packets. I know which one I want to have to look for. I want I know which one I want to have to worry about. It's not perfection. This bug is core to the design. I mean, that's, you know, every, everyone's talking about, I can't believe we're, ta- we're accepting records in bailiwick posts, not realizing, of course you are. This is how DNS refers from one node to the next, to the next, to the next. It's fundamental to the design. So this is what we've got to deal with. How, how do you deal with a, a, a deeply embedded bug of this type? Step one, let's get out of 10 seconds. Here's a funny question. What if you switch it to a TCP only? Does that so make a difference? That, that has the, the sad thing of, uh, remember what happens when DNS goes down? You know how the entire network dies? So we don't actually have enough capacity on the Internet for everyone to use TCP. We don't even have enough headroom or spare capacity on the Internet for everyone to do a query twice. Um, someone mentioned debouncing in an email to me, and that is in fact that's where you look twice. Um, there's just not enough capacity. The the internet would not be able to handle it. Tina, how so, do you know that though? Because we 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 know so DNS servers have something of a we call it a need. There's a certain point at which if you get past there, um, the thing doesn't work anymore. Servers are run at say ninety percent, ninety five percent. You know. You, you exceed that, and they just stop working. I mean, a really problematic thing about when DNS stops working is everything is just designed to assume DNS is going to work perfectly. So when it doesn't, like, just things... It has not been an easy time for just this fix. Saying we'll go ahead and overload all the authoritative servers, uh, it, it, it was a non-starter, unfortunately. So when big DDoSs hit the TLDs, and the TLDs sort of survive, you're saying that switching from UDP to TCP queries it would be the equivalent of the largest DDoS against them. Yeah, and I mean, remember, the, the, the TLDs are, are fairly dedicated, fairly sole purpose. They're dedicated for handling as much crap as can be thrown at them. That's not the entire DNS infrastructure. If the entire DNS infrastructure tried to move overnight from UDP to TCP, there would be no remaining TCP DNS infrastructure. <laughs> okay, well, with that, let's move on to some questions from the audience. Um, you've been doing a very good job of uh, 
prioritizing these questions, so why don't you just start off with your favorites? All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, someone asked me, do both client and DNS servers themselves need the patch? That's a pretty good question. Um, you'll note you know, Microsoft did, in fact, power, patch both the client and the server. There are scenarios in which the client is vulnerable. It's the difference between a sniper rifle and a nuke. You know, I don't want to get hit with either, but I'm going to do something about the nuke right now. So all the attention is very much going into the servers because the client bugs, they're bad. They'll hit an individual host. That's not good. The server bugs will hit entire ISPs. The server bugs will hit entire companies. The server bugs can hit entire countries. Okay, you know, prioritize. Stack rank, what am I going to worry about first? Ultimately, clients do need to, to randomize, but the scenarios in which the clients are vulnerable are just so much more limited than the scenarios in which servers are. Um, another question that came up is, uh, how well do I think the CERT community was in uh, helping to get the message out? Uh, CERT was fantastic. I mean, this is, this is what I always imagined working with CERT would be. Like, I don't know every vendor in the world. I don't know who's shipping every DNS thing. We had multiple rings, right? You have this ring that builds name servers, and that's the people in the room, including, by the way, CERT. CERT actually also came out to Microsoft. You have this second ring, which are people who actually ship name servers. So lots of people ship Bind. Some people ship the Microsoft server. We needed to get notifications and coordination with them. I mean, it wasn't enough to just get the patch written. We had to get the patch out on the same day, and on the same day even for people who didn't even write the name server, if at all possible. So CERT was just tremendous for that. Um, now we're in the step three. You know, first you find the bug, then you get the bug fixed. Now it's got to get the patch deployed. And CERT has been great in getting the word out that, yes, this patch is something that does need to be deployed. Um... Ah, my buddy Roy Orenz actually asks a great question here. Uh, he asks uh, about, says, one of the underestimated parts of this vulnerability is that it is sticky. You'd spoof once and then simply requery. No need to spoof once per new TTL. This is part of the vulnerability. Can you comment on this? Yeah. So all the people who've been saying they know this bug, they've known it, they've known it for years, yada, yada, yada. You know, you guys have known some very, very interesting DNS bugs through the years. You didn't know this one. I didn't know this one. Paul Vixie didn't know this one. Paul Petrus didn't know this one. Florian Weimer did not know this one. I'm not entirely sure he figured parts of it out, too. But except for Florian Weimer, that genius, um, look, you probably didn't know. And if you did, you should have told some people so we could fix it. Um, the bug is significant because it's not just if there's a query, you get to win the race. Joe Stewart's birthday attacks... If there was a query, you get to win the race. Amit Klein's prediction, if there was a query, you get to win the race. But once something is in the cache, there's no query. There's no new race to win. So all, most of the other bugs that we have known have all been wait until time runs out. Even the first version of the Metasploit attack, the one based on PatchX stuff, was wait till the paper comes out. Uh, or wait, wait till the, the, the query runs out. The new stuff was realizing, wait a second, I can overwrite existing stuff. And that means I can target 
popular sites. I can target stuff that is always in cache and is always, uh, you know, has a long TTL. Bert Huber from PowerDNS, who's actually been trying to get people to do source port randomization for years, Bert was working on an entire RFC that was all about, hey, guys, set your TTL big so that you're not vulnerable to this attack. Lots of people pointed at Bert's RFC about how all this was known. Meanwhile, Bert is refusing to finalize his RFC so that this bug does not leak. So thank you to Bert, and everyone had some interesting ideas. There's been a lot of great thought. One of the things I'm really looking forward to is just how much new research we're finally going to get on DNS. That's cool. Um, Another important question was, uh, if anyone else has comments, feel free to jump in. Uh, someone commented about uh, using managed DNS services from Newstar and finding out if they're vulnerable. Uh, Newstar also came. Newstar Ultra DNS also came and helped out for the um, March 31st summit. So you're covered. Um, there are two types of DNS serving. One is authoritative, where you are the source of records for people to get. The other is recursive, which is when you actually figure out where to retrieve and ultimately retrieve the authoritative records. The attack does not affect authoritative servers. The attack corrupts caches, and we are basically, authoritative servers are not posting stuff out of cache. So you're okay there. So all of Newstar's authoritative stuff has never even been in the realm of affected. I, I believe they offer some recursive servers as well in devices. They've, they've always been doing source port randomization too. So that's also taken care of. Um, IDS signatures. Uh, uh, the IDS vendors were all part of uh, at some period of time before July 8th. We actually approached all the IDS vendors, gave them a signature to look for. The consistent thing to look for, by the way, is multiple replies. So multiple DNS replies, same query name, different transaction ID. That is a ridiculously consistent pattern that has very low false positive rates. Um, and all the IDS vendors were briefed to look for that. Um, someone asked if there's going to be a second round of patches. Like I said, it's going to be the big debate. Someone asked a really important question. Oh, Dan, uh, it does sorry. sound like a, a second round of patches will happen, but that'll be for the client side. There, there's going to be a debate about the long-term ways to fix this patch. Look, there's only so much that even with this much coordination, we could actually legitimately get people to do. This is what we could get people to legitimately do today. Figuring out the longer-scale server fixes, I actually do expect there to be a huge debate on what should happen server-side fix, and that's okay. But I think everyone can agree 10 seconds is not good. Uh, got a question of why six months? One is understandable. Why six? <sighs> okay. Software is hard. Like, it's not lazy people. People can put together a patch overnight. That does not good enough. You have to work on it. You have to test it. You have to check things out. Like, it is a significant amount of work. Think of how, you know, don't even think of software. Think of any manufactured product. Do you really know what goes into manufacturing that product? Do you know about the full cycle of development? 
now realize most manufactured products are not actually serviced. The genuine discovery that I'm having here is that serviceability is the true grand challenge of all real-world software. It is the pain at the heart of security, and it is amazingly difficult to get right. But six months was a lot better than it otherwise could have been, and there's a reason why people didn't want to deploy the patch, even given six months of testing overnight. Um, and so, you know, just, just to bounce off on a separate question, this is why you know, I understand that ISPs are working so hard at getting even our developed patch. Even with all that work, it was still not perfect. Things do take time, and people need to realize it's not just going into popping into VI and editing some code. Final thing I want to mention about a split DNS infrastructure where your internet-facing boxes um, are only allowed, are, so you have your, your outside boxes, your inside boxes behind the firewall. Look, if it recurses to the internet, if it will resolve www.yahoo.com, you have to patch it, you have to forward to a patched box, or you got to kill the box. Or, I don't know, go browse to your competitors. Go browse to some foreign country. Those are the four choices we have right now. Like, everyone wants to believe their particular scenario is safe. If source ports are not randomized, you're not safe. Hey, Dan, I've got a question. I love asking you them. Um, (laughs) Hey, what happens if uh, you set really long infrastructure TTLs for all of your your services, and, you know, as these TTLs propagate out through all the, the edge DNS servers or get cached, um, aren't you going to be only vulnerable to those that need to then refresh or when the TTLs expire, or am I no. misunderstanding? Because you're not looking up the name that's cached, and so it has to do a lookup. That was the thing. Everyone thought if it had a long TTL, no one could overwrite its cache entry. But it turns out that's inherent in the protocol. You don't have to reply with the name you were asked. It's not a bug. It's how delegation works. So you can set a TTL of a year for for www.blackhat.com, but I'm still going to look up 1.blackhat.com, 2.blackhat.com, 3.blackhat.com. They're not all going to be in cache. And you can even set one-year TTLs on one, two, three, four, five. That's okay. I can always come up with a random name that you haven't set in this particular host yet. Sure. And when I find that random name, whatever it is, you can try to win the race. But if I win the race, I'm going to say, I don't know why I asked for this random stuff. But if you ask www.blackhat.com, he's totally going to have an answer for you. Oh, by the way, here's his address. And that has to work. So then the the only value for the long-lived infrastructure TTLs is pretty much like a DDoS prevention technique, but not spoofing prevention. It it deals with, so this the nice thing about this patch is that it rolls up all of the other knowledge that we've gotten over the years about defending against the the Joe Stewart birthday attacks, against the meat client attacks, Long TTL defends against their attacks. It also defends against the Metasploit version 1 attack. It does not defend against this attack. Wish it did. Right. Cool. 
Well, we still got about five minutes left on the uh, on the session, so why don't you take a couple more questions and then we'll uh, close it down. All right. Someone asked how much sleep I've been getting since I found this bug. Not much. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. Um, let's see here. We actually covered most of the obvious things. I'm going to hit refresh. Does any of the other any uh, questions that you particularly think are? Uh, oh, 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 someone asked why ten seconds is magic. Uh, it's just about ten seconds, and it, it takes about to with, with sixty-five thousand ports and a high-speed generator. It takes about five seconds to to finally win the race per IP address that uh, that the that the uh, particular name is using as a name server. So if a name ser- if a name has like ten backend name servers, it'll take about fifty seconds. If it has two, it'll take ten seconds. At least in my implementation. Um, Does any of the uh, other speakers here have any questions for Dan? I've been sort of hogging the uh, microphone. Okay, then I'll continue hogging the microphone. Uh, there is an important question I wanted to say here. Are we planning to automatically contact owners of still vulnerable name servers? What will be the role of our team from now on regarding patches? Um, there are some of the largest scale mass notification efforts that I've ever been involved in going on right now. We are trying to at least warn people. Um, now, to be fair, <laughs> I think a lot of almost everyone in IT is aware of this bug at this point. Not everyone. Certainly, we have gotten this thing out of the security community. And that's, look, uh, you know, message to the security community, it's not about you guys right now. It's about everyone who's running name servers. It's about all the guys who don't know or care about security. They're the ones, not you, who has to deploy this patch. And so all of our outreach has been to them, and a lot of people are doing good. Dan, this is Rich. I've got a, a question for you. Some DNS servers aren't necessarily patched yet. There's a few implementations out there, secondary impl- implementations. Are there options other than reconfiguring for DNS forwarding right now to um, deal for you know for those people who are stuck in their infrastructure with something they can't fix? There are actually um, a couple of. I want to actually go to my webpage. So I can actually quote the people who figured out how to do it. But there have been some really, really bright guys who have figured out how to, uh, um, you know, we've had these problems with NAT firewalls. Oops. We knew they were there. We didn't realize they were this widespread. But there are, in fact, NATing firewalls that are removing the entropy that we add to the source board. There are, everyone's working on a fix. My, you know, my sincere and public apologies to all the NAT vendors who have had to scramble, you know, to Citrix and Cisco, to, uh, Everyone who's had to just really work their work their hearts out. Um, there is a uh, really interesting work done by Michael Rash to make uh, Linux's IP tables actually apply source port randomization in a scenario where the backend name server is not itself randomized. Uh, Michael Rash's work is very very good. I'll warn you guys, my present tester does not actually test correctly on Rash's work, but it works. It actually works very very well. Um, the OpenBSD team has also figured out how to do this um, with PF. And I'm trying to see if I can find the name of the guy who, who figured that out. John Hart did. And links to both John Hart's work and Michael Rash's work are on my homepage, along with the uh, the tester at www.doxpara.com. 
Okay, we've got a uh, questionnaire that we're going to push out now, and it's just to give us some feedback on how well the uh, format works and what kind of things you'd like to see in the future. And uh, we'll be doing this again with a post-Black Hat wrap-up next month. And we'll be getting a, an agenda online and an editorial calendar. So if there's any topics you guys out there want to see or you want us to explore or specific speakers you want us to have on here as guests, just drop us a note and, uh, and we'll try to arrange it for everybody. So let me hand it off to the, uh, the guy with a really good closing voice. Well, thank you very much, Jeff, and thank you all for attending today's webinar. I'd just also like to bring to the attention uh, of our audience that there are some interactive links on your console. So if you want to click and, uh, and visit and find out more about our next webcast, to register for Black Hat, and also to uh, follow up on Black Hat on Twitter, you can also link off of any of those. And uh, thank you all for attending today's webcast, Dan Kaminsky's DNS Discovery. The Massive Multi-Vendor Issue and the Massive Multi-Vendor Fix, brought to you by Black Hat and United Business Media, LLC. Shortly after this live event, you can access this presentation on demand, and we'll send you an email notice. And on behalf of our Black Hat founder and director, Jeff Moss, and our panel of industry experts, thanks for your time, and have a great day.